Welcome to Layers of Film, the show where mediocre people discuss masterful films the first Monday of each month. I am your host, Austin Killian, joined by my co-host, Big T. Big T, what's cracking? My back. Yes. <laughs> yes. Getting older, feeling yeah. it in my bones, but I'm alive. All the bones. And I'm grateful to be alive for now. We'll see what happens, but you know, it's good. How often does something like crack? Like if you're just getting up out of a chair. Oh, I don't know. I feel like I've just tuned it out because there's too many to count. Yeah, no, it happens all the time. And like, yeah, whenever there's people that don't really know me or are used to me around me, and I like just get up after like sitting on the floor for a little while, there's like it's like a fireworks show <laughs> for real. <laughs> yeah, it's like someone let off some firecrackers, and they're just like, "Whoa, are you okay?" I'm like, "Yeah, dude, I'm fine." <laughs> like none of that hurt at all. This happens every time. Well, I, get up. I don't know if that's normal. You should maybe see a doctor about that. <laughs> I I did a checkup. At the beginning of the year and everything checked out. Everything was healthy. Everything was fine. And that was... Maybe they thought they were looking at the chart of like a 60-year-old man. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, you're, you're, this is totally normal for a 60-year-old. Like, I'm actually not even in my 30s yet. <laughs> no, the, the assistant came in and was like, doctor, that's upside down. He was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Get an ambulance right now. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so things, things are good in your life right now? Yeah, going well. I'm... Nice. In the midst, in the throes of spooky season, couldn't be happier. The weather's getting cooler here. It's great. Oh yeah, that's yeah. Things have cooled down over here too. It's uh, it's so nice. It was getting uh, there was like a little heat wave going on, and yeah, now it's it's kind of cooled. So I got eaten alive by mosquitoes the last two weekends, and oh. I am ready for all the bugs to die. Did you do a lot of camping or something? No, I just did some outdoor dining and hung out in my fr- in some friend's backyard, and I was doing some gardening, Okay, and I got eaten alive. <laughs> well, sweet. That's uh, That sounds like a lot of fun. I hate mosquitoes. Me too. I hate the aftermath of mosquitoes. Yeah, I would be fine with them taking my blood if they didn't make me so itchy. It, it feels like, <laughs> why do you need to do that? Yeah. I feel like we would leave you in peace. You could take our blood as our blood yeah. sacrifice. Because you don't but... feel anything, but yeah. Yeah, I don't know why they have to make it itchy. It's like, that just makes me want to kill you now. What is it that makes it itchy? Do you know this? I don't know. Some chemical. Okay. For some reason in my head, I, I feel like I remember seeing something about, like, there's, like, little things that kind of shoot out a little bit. Like little barbs? Maybe. I'm probably totally wrong. I Look, I'm not a scientist, so. That's right. You have Google. Google it. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway sweet well i'm glad that life's going good i hope that you live every day like it's a saturday a big t yes how's your life going <laughs> it's fine it's uh it's oh you know what we should probably acknowledge well i guess when this when this episode goes out it's not really gonna matter but we are we happen to be recording this on 9 11 so honestly when the queen passed away a few days ago i was like where's her imdb what movie was she in that we watched we killed her <laughs> <laughs> yeah i wait what did you hear what i just said that it's 9 yeah, 11 you mentioned 9 11 oh, okay. but we've had multiple tragedies in a row now oh, okay 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 <laughs> i'm just like wait yeah. i feel like that was such a hard like turn of like <laughs> no you know they're they're all <laughs> it's all sad tragedies in their own sense you know true yeah yeah it's crazy i don't know people were like so surprised that she passed away i'm like wasn't she old though like I don't yeah <laughs> it's like people are shocked that a 96 year old passed away peacefully in her sleep <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It's just it's weird, like, but 
that's kind of what happens to people. Yeah. I mean, hey, she lived a long, a long life, and uh, that's maybe the best we could. Well, I don't even know if I want to live that long. I don't know. (laughs) That's a long time. Yeah. Maybe it's like 80, mid 80s. Yeah. That's not bad. September. Yeah. It's a month, I guess, now. That's right. But 9 11, never forget. I think everyone's forgetting, though. (laughs) Honestly. It's weird to meet people. Who are full-grown adults who were not alive during 9-11. Isn't that odd? That's crazy. Yeah. It bothers me, but at the same time, it makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yes, that's how time works. Yeah. Yeah. It only bothers me because that just means I'm getting older. But I'm not mm-hmm. that old. We're not that old. Our bodies are cracking, but we're not that old. Come on. Our bones would disagree. <laughs> that's right. Um, I did want to say this is a big deal to me. This is probably the biggest moment of my entire life. Out of nowhere, I was able to secure a PS5, <laughs> and it's oh, and it's on the way nice. on Tuesday, and I'm so I'm so excited. I will definitely take a day off at some point in the next couple of weeks just to play the PS5. Yeah, hasn't the PS5 been out for a few years, but no one can get their hands on it? A couple of years, yeah. It was kind of like the Wii, and a lot of just like That's because nuts of to me. Like electronic you know constraints or whatever's going on i don't know chips and stuff the chip shortage i think was going on and so it's been hard to like produce enough but there was like this random out of nowhere i was just like oh i'm gonna check to see if there's any available and there was like a bundle with a video game in there for um i guess technically cheaper than it should have been if i would have bought them separately it's like wii sports no like a really big game um for horizon forbidden west so i'm like i'm really i actually haven't played the first one it's very good uh i've heard so i i'm gonna play both now on the ps5 i'm so pumped i don't know i'm so stoked i've been waiting for a long time and uh, you had a co-worker who left her work her work day early to go get the ps5 i that's totally yeah i get that that's awesome yeah that's good that's good and and i also got an iphone 13 pro and uh you know we're just spending money what sometimes you just gotta spend money it's a tax write-off just say it's for uh, your small business your podcast that you run (laughs) yeah i gotta be able to i don't even it's a write-off video games doesn't work into it at all just stream it you know no i gotta watch the movies and so i I use the ps5 (laughs) yeah right and the iphone 13 instead of buying a 10 dollar dvd player you had to buy a hundred dollars worth of technology equipment that's right so i just wanted to i just wanted to give you that how excited i am that's exciting when that comes in this week tuesday baby two more days i'm so excited living the dream i am but greatest moment of my life and i'm a father yeah out of all of the doesn't say out of all of the experiences (laughs) you've had yeah uh anyway okay well there's that let's jump into the movie let's talk about it let's do it we are covering a simple favor this month. The release date is September 14, 2018. Synopsis is Stephanie is a single mother with a parenting vlog who befriends Emily, a secretive <laughs> upper class woman who has a child at the at same elementary school. When Emily goes missing, Stephanie takes it upon herself to investigate. Directed by Paul Feig? Feig? I have no idea. Okay. I thought it was fig. But there's an E in there. There's E in lots of words that don't make the E sound. That's true. But I have no idea. Don't quote me on that. So, <laughs> Quick aside, we're, so my, my daughter is in uh, uh, kindergarten now, and trying to teach her letters is just, like, what sound does O make? Well, 
It could be ooh. It, it could depends. be oh. It could be ah. <laughs> it's like, or uh. Yeah, English is notorious for way too many sounds and way too many words. It's ridiculous. Spanish is so much easier. Everything yep. follows this, it's a specific rule, no matter what. Yep. Anyway, written by Jessica Scharzer. I think, composed by Theodore Shapiro. Big actors in this is Anna Kendrick, Blake Lively, Henry Golding. Budget of $20 million. Box office earnings was $97. million. And where to watch? $97.97 million? million, baby. (laughs) $0.6 million. (laughs) And where you can watch it. I I could only... uh, well, I mean, I just buy every movie anyway, but I I only saw like rent or buy options. I don't know if you yeah can find probably it else. I have I bought it a while you ago, have it. so yeah. yeah okay, gotcha. Anyway, not not too bad, not too bad, not too shabby. Yeah, that's a pretty good return. Yeah, you had seen this movie before. You loved it. You chose it for a specific reason. Obviously, you wanted to show it to me and the audience. Yes. Right. What makes it so masterful to you, my friend? Before I get into that, I want to hear what you thought of it. Don't let me <laughs> taint your it. opinion first. <laughs> Let's hear what your opinion was. My opinion is it's okay. Yeah. It's an okay movie. Uh, I don't think... We'll, we'll, I'm kind of like reserve, like uh, not going to give my final judgment until like the end of the podcast yeah. because I gave my judgment on Ready or Not and then ended up falling in love with the idea of this movie by the end. Yeah. And I feel like it's... The only thing is, is I think this is worse than Ready or Not. Or like, it's not, I, I don't like it as much. I agree. I agree. It's not as good as Ready or Not. Yeah, because Ready or Not, here's here's my big thing. Here's my big gripe about this movie. Is I feel like, you know, the, the director, what's his name, Paul Feig. And maybe even, the no, probably Paul Feig. It's the director's decision at the end of the day to, to f- you know, decide everything that happens that going into this movie how it's edited how it's shot all that stuff and the performances i feel like he had a hard time figuring out exactly where he needed to lean with the tone of this movie you know what i mean that's i think probably the biggest criticism of this movie is that Mm -hmm. it can't really pick a lane genre wise like tone wise ready or not like they just leaned into the camp knew what it was yeah exactly they knew that Mm -hmm. they were making a seven out of ten the perfect seven out of ten. This one, it's more of a like seven out of ten for like, oh shoot, like they just didn't really quite know what they wanted to do. Yeah, it fell a little flat. I actually feel like this would have been better as like just a Netflix miniseries or something like that. I could see that. Yeah, like it. It just seemed a little more on the ridiculous side, <laughs> where it's just kind of like a like kind of a B tier show that. You know, people are just putting on because it's a fun, you know, mystery and what's going on, all these twists and turns. Because, like, every 15 minutes, it seemed like there was some kind of twist that would have been, like, the perfect cliffhanger for an episode, you know? (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, it kind of takes you down a lot of different potential roads, for sure. Yeah. Although the last half hour of the film, there's like a twist every five minutes. And that's, I think, the whole the- <laughs> last half hour of this film, like, the really the whole third act is yeah, yeah. wild. You're like, we're just throwing all the rules out the window. Okay, yeah, yeah. cool. <laughs> I wanna, I wanna, say, I wanna say, growing up, like you were, like I would, I would get really bothered by watching movies with you, <laughs> specifically because you would just like call stuff all the time. I'm like, dude, I'm trying to watch this. Like, <laughs> stop predicting the whole freaking movie. And you would always, you can blame my dad for that. <laughs> you would always be right too. And so it always felt like you were spoiling the movie for me. Yeah, you wanted to make a podcast with me about movies. 
Hmm. That's well. I'm not watching them with you, so it helps. <laughs> I'll just text you next time. No, the play-by-play. Have yeah. you seen this movie? No, not yet. Well, let me tell you. <laughs> Were you able to predict this at all when you first saw it? Oh, I don't remember. I don't think so, though. I think that there are specific scenes that you can call, like, I feel like the ending of this movie, right, when she shoots, I mean, we'll talk about it, when she shoots the husband and then it turns out yeah. that it wasn't a real gun and it's like, oh, no, our plan was foiled. I feel like you, I don't know, at least for me, it's like, okay, there's probably a second camera somewhere because, like, if there's not, then this is going to be a really weird ending because, like, we're t- it's too early for us to just be at this point, so there has to be something else coming on, you know, narratively. Mm, right. Honestly, I don't think that I really predicted this movie, and I think that that's the, one of the reasons I liked it when I first watched it was yeah. because oftentimes, like, I do feel like I'm able to predict a lot of stuff, and this yeah. one, I, I, I'm pretty sure, like, thinking back to it, it kind of was, like, all over the place, but I'm not really sure if that's because it's like a well-written mystery or if it's a poorly written mystery and you don't really know where it's going, you know, I don't really, I'm kind of leaning more towards like the poorly written mystery because <laughs> there's dude. like a lot of stuff that's going on. Like you have a lot yeah. of like really, I mean, I'm not a big fan of like the, Oh, it was their twin that died trope. Like I think that that's really overused and stuff. Yeah, sure. But yeah. Anyway, I definitely, I think that, so this is probably like my third or fourth time watching this movie, and I feel like I enjoyed it less this time around. Okay. That's kind of new. I feel like that hasn't happened before. Usually on yeah. the second watch through, you like it better sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Because like when I watched um, Knives Out, it was the reverse. I didn't really like it the first time, and I liked it a lot more the second time oh, or, or whatever it may be. But um, yeah, I, and my wife was the same way. She kind of felt like, oh, you know what? I actually didn't like this as much as I remember liking it which I think is kind of normal and it's maybe because I've just watched you know a dozen plus great films since I watched this last so <laughs> sure, maybe yeah, my, yeah. my expectations are higher but um I do think one of the the fun things about this film is like you really don't know where it's going like it's not because like it's sort of pacing the mystery well but just because it kind of turns into like a comedy towards the end and it just kind of gets really, yeah. like, absurdist. Like, when she gets hit by the car at the very end, like, none of that really makes sense. Like, okay, how is this guy driving sober now when he was just pulled over? Or, like, when the p- cops just, yeah. like, swatted his house? Like, what's yeah. going on here? But you have to know that Paul Feig is, um, he, like, directed Bridesmaids. And oh, um, okay. the new Ghostbusters, The Heat, Tammy, I think, or The Spy or whatever. Okay. So he's, like... That is much more his wheelhouse, kind of like that body humor type stuff of people getting hit by cars or having really bad diarrhea or whatever. Like, that's much more in his wheelhouse. So I think that you see that come through towards the end because it just becomes pretty absurdist towards the end. But I don't know. It's still kind of fun to watch, I think. Yeah, it it was a fun watch. I think actually, um, like I enjoyed a lot of like the Anna Kendrick jokes, you know, just like her obviously just kind of vamping and just making up some random stuff because she's being awkward and whatever. Yeah. That was that was funny. I, I enjoyed actually really the character of Stephanie is the most interesting part of the film. I totally agree with you. Which is which is funny because like obviously Emily's supposed to be the most interesting or like it's it's set up to make her the most interesting person because she's she's very vague. Yeah. She's like very closed off. She doesn't really yeah, know she's anyone. An enigma. Yeah, an, yeah, an enigma, right? Henry Golding, what's his face? Sean says that um, a few times, I think, or maybe once or something like that. But, but Stephanie's far more interesting because by the end of the film, 
I started wondering, like, is she, has she just been playing a game her whole mm-hmm. life? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, did she, I don't necessarily want to, oh, yeah, screw it, why not? Because they kind of, they, they bring in the whole, I, the whole thing with her husband and her half-brother and some mm-hmm. weird stuff going on. And then they go for a drive, blah, blah, blah. She lost her husband and, and her half-brother in the same day. The two most important people, obviously, yeah. she had sex with her half-brother. We're kind of wondering if they're, if her kid is actually the half-brothers, and that's the whole thing. At, at, at first, when she's telling that story, I just thought that the husband was just, like, depressed or something and, like, killed himself. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, then, and then as things go on and she's talking about her half-brother and how she had sex with him, I'm like, oh, he probably found out then. And, you know, something happened and maybe that yeah. happened. But, like, did she kind of, like, manipulate the situation to kill her husband? Oh, I don't know. I never... She seems a little ruthless. I'm not going to lie. Like, obviously, your husband, like, in the last flashback, when he's, like, really questioning everything about the half-brother, and just like, oh, did you, like, is this kid even mine or whatever? Or is this your half-brother's, right? And he's kind of losing his mind. I feel like she made a decision, a decision right then. It's just like... I I don't want to be with you anymore, and maybe you guys just go on a drive. Like I'll just kind of plant a seed of doubt, and you guys go on a drive, and he just kills you both. <laughs> and like, yeah, I don't know. I that is not the vibe I got. <laughs> I mean, most likely not. But she seems yeah. ruthless enough by the end of the film that maybe she was always kind of a conniving person yeah. this, her whole life. Yeah, I think one of my favorite things about this film is Stephanie's character arc. I absolutely love who she starts out as versus who she ends up being. Like, I think that that's why I really enjoy this movie so much because um, talking just specifically about like, not necessarily well-written characters, but well-written character arcs. Stephanie, I mean, unless we go with your question of like, was she ruthless the whole time? Like, she definitely starts out as like this, you know, innocent, naive, sort of like house mom kind of. And then by the end of it, she's orchestrating like this huge sting operation and then turns her vlog into like a recipe slash PI vlog type thing, you know? Yeah. And we've talked about this before. I love a good like female empowerment movie. Like when a woman like finds her voice and is really able to like fight against the powers that are like oppressing her or like her antagonists or whatever. I just really like seeing that with Stephanie's character. Like I I love the scene where she's like kind of hunting down clues and she's in the hotel and she's vlogging. And then she's saying all of those like keywords to show Emily that she knows what Emily's past is. Like I, for me, that's such a pivotal scene because you're like, oh, Stephanie is like playing the game now. Like Stephanie is no longer like holding back any punches. She's going for the throat. And it's so refreshing to see that in someone who was like really timid beforehand and wouldn't even directly confront the other like parents at the school who were mean to her. And now she's like full on confronting someone who like faked their own death and may be involved in like a a much more sinister plot. She's just, she's, she's an enigma. Yeah, I... I, I think that you're right in that her character is a lot more interesting because you get a lot more growth from her. I'm just, well, like, that's the thing, though. That's the thing that I'm having a hard time, like, figuring out. Is, is it growth or not? I Like, I honestly can't tell, personally. I think it, maybe it could be interpreted in different ways because she's definitely, like, I think the main characteristic about Stephanie is that she's a perfectionist. 
I think that's her main characteristic. She's a people pleaser. She's a people pleaser, but she's like a perfectionist. Mm -hmm. And like everything, like she has to do things perfectly, no matter what. And, or no matter what it is, right? And for the first 30 to 45 minutes of the film, I think she's just a perfectionist as a mom, right? She's trying to be the perfect mom. Has a helium tank. (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that whole thing with the. Are you a bad mom? Or the. Yeah, you <laughs> but then uh, as she starts kind of following the the thread and following the clues and all that stuff, then she becomes like a perfectionist as like a, a mystery solver, a detective, right? And just really, and then a perfectionist in a plan maker, I suppose, because she gets Emily in the end, right? Emily, yeah, you know, hatched this whole plan from the beginning, and. Or not from the beginning, but I think from well, yeah, the beginning of the film. I think when she met Stephanie, and just like, oh, like I'm going to take out a insurance policy, you know, fake my death, and blah blah blah. Or actually, no, she probably came up with that plan when she got the letter from her twin, most likely. I would assume, right? Yeah, it's probably kind of in that general time. Yeah, interesting because she would have taken a note. I don't even know. Anyway, but. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like I uh, maybe I should have watched this like a couple more times so that I could really get all the story beats. But but yeah, I I just think that she's a perfectionist as her first characteristic, but she's also an opportunist. There's something really weird about how quickly she moved in on Sean. For sure, for sure. There's like a lot of red flags in the in her actions. 100%. Because it's like it's the day of the funeral. Or it's, yeah, they do the funeral. There's the fight between the kids. It's nighttime. She tucks them in, and then her and Sean have sex. And then the next day, she goes downstairs. She was gonna leave, and then she just decides to put her bag down, turn on the music, and take off the picture on the wall of mm-hmm. Emily and her her nude portrait thing, right? Yeah. And like she made the decision, like I'm moving in, or like I'm gonna be part of this house from now on. She starts vlogging from that kitchen. Yeah. That's also, that's a weird thing. I don't know if that's written in the book, but in the movie, like if you, did you ever watch or like actually look at the comments in the vlogs? No, I didn't. I tried to read them kind of as it was going through the movie live, but I never paused to read it. Oh, well, yeah, I didn't pause to read it either. But just like everyone was so supportive of Stephanie, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, like you, you, you're doing a great thing. You're helping out this family. Whereas like I would have probably been like, she's in their kitchen and this woman just. Yeah, that's weird. I would. Yeah, I would have been the one person like everyone was so supportive. I, I feel like that wasn't really done well. That's not realistic to me. I feel like there would have been more people like, what are you doing in this man's house filming vlogs all of a sudden like yeah like very much taking over there were there were some of the comments that were going on in the vlogs that were just like oh the husband did it right and then she addresses Mm -hmm. that she's like oh i know some of you that was a subtle detail that i actually had is is there was a comment that came through that said that and then she's like now i want to address some people are saying that you know um Mm -hmm. that the husband did it i can assure you that they you know he has nothing to do with blah 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 you know everything's just weird but like you just you think that more people would have addressed or like <laughs> addressed the fact that she's just moving in on this family <laughs> yeah out of nowhere my friend disappeared i moved in with her husband and i'm vlogging from her kitchen now but yeah but everything's okay and then putting putting the publicity of that in her vlogs as well i just think she was conniving the whole time 
She definitely uses Emily's tragedy as a springboard for there it is. attention. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So here's the thing. I think I think that Stephanie's character is really interesting because I think that there's lots of layers to her. I think that deep down she is like a very messy, selfish, conniving person, mm-hmm. but she has figured out how to sort of play the social game of like being the perfectionist, being the perfect mom, being the perfect volunteer, being the perfect whatever. And then I think when you're when she's introduced to Emily and she sees, oh, you can live life differently and still get kind of, you know, the house, the car, the man, the job or whatever. I think that she starts to learn like, oh, there's more than one way to get what I want. I don't have to be like this per- perfect whatever to like you know mom to get what i want i can be a lot different and so i i agree with you in the sense that like she there's something underneath her but i I think that you see her sort of like tap into this dark side of her throughout the film that has always been there but she never really knew how to access it until meeting Mm -hmm. emily and having this experience like i think until then she was sort of just like lying to herself and trying to be like oh i'm gonna like put all my effort into being the perfect mom and the perfect whatever and then she realizes like oh wait i can do this differently but up until that point i feel like she's sort of living her life being defined by what she thinks society wants of her and then she's kind of goes off script and does what she she herself wants to do and that's when you start to see like the real stephanie come out yeah yeah i that probably makes more sense i don't know she's just she just ended up being so much darker than i ever thought that she would have been (laughs) yeah and i think because oh go ahead well sorry well just because like even i i noticed this a lot like even when she's by herself she still says like shoot you know Mm -hmm. so it's it's not just a front right like she does have like these specific values that like she has to yeah uh, that she maintains even by herself you know yeah but i think that she i think that she adheres to those values because she believes that that's what she's supposed to do in order to be like this quote unquote perfect woman or perfect mom. And mm. then she realizes like, oh, I can sort of do this differently. But I think that there's like the, I think the film really does a good job with Stephanie's character because you get a lot of references at the beginning of the film about how she's a saint and mm. people are being like, oh, you're a saint for doing this or whatever. And she even makes a reference where she's like, oh yeah, I get that a lot. Like, cause the painter says like, oh, if I were to paint you, I'd paint you like a saint, like a religious saint, you right. know? Yeah. yeah. And she's like, I get that a lot. And, um, this change from her as this like saintly, naive, innocent person, like throughout the film, she's like very, wearing very like colorful, almost childish clothes, right? Like polka dots and bright colors and big bows and stuff. And then at the very end, when she confronts Emily, they switch. So Emily has been wearing a lot of like black and white and like sharp edges or business suits or whatever. But then in that very last scene, Emily is wearing like a really bright, fluffy, white and blue dress, I think it is. And then Stephanie is wearing like a lot darker colors, a lot more serious. And so Mm -hmm. I think that the film does a really good job using um, like nonverbal cues in a sense to show that growth. I saw someone online saying that like, Stephanie wears an S um, necklace in some of the scenes, but when she's making bad decisions, she's not wearing the S and people are like, it's, you know, an S that stands for saint. And when she's making mm-hmm. bad decisions, she's like no longer the saint figure. I think that Stephanie is sort of coming into her own because she, like I said, is living this life that she thinks other people 
want from her and that like other people respect and then she learns to sort of take that back that power for herself and i think it's really fun to see that i i just really enjoy her character arc yeah for sure yeah i it it was a lot of the time like i was wondering if it was going to be more of a commentary of just like people trying so hard to like live these perfect lives but they're crushing under the the weight and the pressure of it but like as things progress, like Stephanie's fine with how her life is. You know what I mean? Like, or like she's fi- like she's comfortable in her own skin, right? She's not. She has. She takes on a lot, but she doesn't actually buckle under the pressure. I think she actually mm-hmm. lives for it, which is interesting to see. And there is a specific scene um, where she's like carrying a box over to into the school or something, and she's fumbling with it. And then Emily calls and asks for her for a, for a favor. And I thought that that was actually a nice little detail of just like oh she's like clearly struggling or whatever she's taking on way too much and then she she's like oh yeah this must be so hard for you like yeah i'll go ahead and take care of your kid Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like like she'll just do it she's a people pleaser but i think she actually is genuinely happy to to do it and um and it just makes her she, she thinks that that makes her feel like a or that that makes her a better person and so she values that because she wants to feel like a better person i'm not sure if there's anything necessarily wrong with that but i don't think that she's dying inside you know what i mean whereas like emily was dying inside like she had like it's funny because like you have the kind of the outsider parents right that are actually real in my opinion you know what Mm -hmm. i mean (laughs) they're like the only real people in this and maybe sean i guess but like they're the they're like real parents right they're but they look at stephanie is like oh like she's the perfect mom or whatever she has like a perfect life blah 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 right and then they also look at emily though which is who is like the exact opposite of stephanie right as far as personalities go but she has the big house she has the crazy you know pr job and all that yeah. stuff for a famous designer and um and so you know in their opinion like she also has a perfect life but clearly emily is buckling under the pressure and she says that of like how much money that they like yeah. they owe on this house and how she's working you know double time to make up for it all and and whatever she doesn't get to see her kid, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember where I was going with that, but it's just interesting to see that difference between the two. Yeah, I think that like the big change for me that I see in Stephanie is that she wasn't giving herself permission to be herself. She was, for whatever reason, kind of like defining her life using society's expectations of like what a good mom is what a good woman is and then you sort of slowly see her begin to give herself permission to tap into that like darker side of herself that she's ashamed of or that she doesn't think is like good to you know do like there's the whole shame around like her sleeping with her half brother which like beyond the morality and ethics of sleeping with a half sibling like you can tell that she's really like ashamed of that and i think that that feeling of shame is applied to a lot of other things in her life that she does because you learn from that story that like she has a past like a very dark sort of past in a sense but she's hiding it she's like not giving herself permission to like explore that part of her and then this movie is her like sort of letting go of those restrictions and giving herself permission to do a lot of this stuff that she would have otherwise not done right which is like i said i really enjoy kind of seeing um, part- I mean, any character, but particularly like female characters really take back that power and like become step fully into like who they really are. Do you think everyone got a happy ending? 
Uh, probably not. <laughs> I mean, you don't think so? Emily got hit by a car, <laughs> and she was like in her prison. But I mean, I think it depends. Happiness is such a tenuous word. Okay. Like, I feel like what makes someone happy one day won't make them happy the next. Sure. I don't know. I didn't really think about their lives beyond the credits. What about you? Well, because I was thinking about it, like. Uh- for especially the last half okay there's a specific scene when stephanie is making the martini i think at the gravesite, and then emily shows up this is the first time she's seen her since you know she quote-unquote died and they're just talking about sean like he's this throwaway human being right yeah and it's like messed up that was the first point where i'm like oh stephanie you're not a good person (laughs) like like you are a perfectionist or whatever but like this is like this human being who's obviously struggling he has like this insane wife who's trying to you know just like bamboozle the the government and insurance agencies and whatever like just trying to get exactly what she wants out of life and have money and have her kid and whatever but like emily doesn't seem to care about sean stephanie tells emily like oh i don't care about him like whatever and then they go ahead and try to get him put in jail and you know what i mean like all this like blame him for the disappearance and abuse she, of- stephanie doesn't really feel that way though right because she works with sean to like set emily up she didn't love him though she said that she loved him well not yeah she wait, sorry say that again well, she said that she loved him to him, and then later on, she's like, oh, no, I don't love him, to Emily. And then they also, they don't stay together. Like, I think she dumps him, like, right after everything happens. Yeah, but I think it's justifiable because Stephanie's feelings change towards Sean when she learns that um, Sean is kind of using her. And then Emily plays that recording of Sean saying he doesn't love her and that he's, like, just using her for sex. I mean, obviously, he said that at gunpoint, and Stephanie yeah. doesn't really know that. But I find it hard to believe that that wouldn't have been conveyed ever. Yeah, I believe that I agree with you that Stephanie and Emily both are like really callous towards Sean as like a human being. Like they very much treat him as like a throwaway. But for me, what I like about Stephanie's sort of reaction is that throughout the movie, she's a people pleaser. Like she's literally like that scene that you mentioned where she's carrying that box and then she's like struggling to answer the phone. And then she's like, oh, yeah, sure. I'll take care of your kid. Like. Stephanie is constantly people pleasing to the extent that it's like negatively impacting her kind of. And then you see that with Sean too. Multiple times, Sean tells Stephanie like, oh, you saved me. You fixed me. You're making me a better man. And Stephanie, he kind of puts Stephanie in this role of like his helper. Like Stephanie doesn't, he doesn't love Stephanie because she's like this autonomous human being that he values as an individual. He loves her because he's, she's fixing him. Hmm. And I think that Stephanie, the old Stephanie likes being that role of like being the assistant, the supporter, the helper, the person that helps make other people's lives easier. And then you have that scene in the, in the graveyard where she's like, I don't want Sean. And to me, that's her finally embracing what she wants and being like, you know what? I don't, I, I don't want Sean. Like what I want is to be like my own person. And I don't want Sean because all Sean wants from me is to like help him become a better person. Like for me, Sean's reasons, reasoning to be with Stephanie is really is like selfish. Like Stephanie's taking care of his kids. Stephanie's making dinner. Stephanie's, I mean, supposedly like most likely doing a lot of like the upkeep of their like personal life. And for Stephanie to say, like, I don't want him is like her sort of taking back her power and being like, 
yeah, I'm my own person. Like I can do what I want to do because it's what I want to do. And that is just as valid as what other people want. Interesting. I don't know. I feel like it's hard to definitively say anything like specific about Sean, because like, I don't think we get the full story with that guy. Like there's a lot of, I think plot points that they just can't really fit into a movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, or not plot points, but like just, um, exposition or whatever. I, I don't even know, but like we miss out on a lot of important details i think because like obviously at some point like he's probably gonna explain like that recording that was like she was literally holding a gun to me like i, I just said whatever i needed to say so she yeah blow my junk off you know yeah then I mean? that's right i don't think that that was like the definitive reason why stephanie like ends up dumping sean eventually i just think that the movie very subtly portrays sean as like a very um needy partner and very much a partner who wants a partner that will take care of him. Like, I just think that it's, mm. they very clearly through the dialogue, like he he tells Stephanie multiple times how much she's like making his life better and making him a better person or whatever. And to me, that's not very healthy because he's seeing Stephanie as like an appendage to his own self-improvement. Like he doesn't mm. love Stephanie because of what she brings to the table individually. It's all in like, he's centering himself in his love for Stephanie. And I think that to me, like even that scene where the kids get in a fight, like the, he has no idea what to do. And I, that's understandable that you like, don't really know how to deal with sort of a, an abrupt violent situation. But I just feel like the movie really portrays Sean as like really codependent on, particularly on Stephanie and their relationship. And to me, Stephanie's growth comes to a point where she's like, look, I don't want to have to like babysit. I don't want to have to be the one like taking care of an adult man. Like that's not what I want anymore. I don't want to be like only my only purpose is to like help other people live their best lives. Like I deserve to live the life that I want to live. So you, you seem to be more edged towards like Stephanie then. Yeah. More what towards Stephanie? If if you had to choose between like who is maybe more justified in how they're going about their lives or whatever, like if you had to choose between Sean or Stephanie, do do you have like a choice or is it too complicated to make a choice? Make a choice about what? Like like who you think is more justified in their actions? I think. Well, I think that's kind of a complex question. I think that like. Sean, Stephanie sees, I know that that scene with Stephanie in the graveyard, like she does come across as very callous. Like, I don't want Sean, like, let's just set him up or whatever. Eventually, I mean, at the end, she doesn't really end up setting him up. Um, so whether she was being sincere in the moment and then sort of backed out on that or was just lying to Emily, I don't really know. Hmm. But I feel like Sean just, Emily and Sean both just treat people like pieces to their own, like, goals kind of hmm. to me sean and emily don't really see other people as people they see them as like okay what can i get out of this person and you see that in their relationship right like emily won't stop talking even to sean's face about how he's like not writing anymore he's not making them any money blah 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 but then i think you see that with sean like his wife just died. He sleeps with his wife's best friend and then he like lets her move in yeah, true. like to me that's just really really selfish like that just shows to me that the motivations for sean is like i want whatever's going to make my life easier he doesn't really bring anything to the relationship between him and stephanie 
Whereas Stephanie really is bringing a lot to the relationship, you know? Yeah, true. Good point. And so, and I think, so it's kind of this juxtaposition where like Stephanie puts everyone else's needs before her own. And then by the end of the movie, she's learned to like put her needs above other people's needs. And then that's juxtaposed with Emily and Sean who are constantly just using other people around them for whatever purposes they see fit. Cause like Sean is not remorseful at all that his wife is dead. He thinks that she's fully dead and he is like talking to Stephanie about how much she sucked as a wife. <laughs> that's true. Well, at the same time, like she kind of, like she was, she was a provider or whatever, but like, as far as like being there and like, you know, like the really the all that we get between their relationship is that she provides and they are horny for each other. That's pretty much like it, right? Yeah. Like that's all we really see. But also she manipulates situations all the time, Emily. Does. Oh, she's super manipulative, yeah. And he has and he has no idea how to handle it or whatever. Like he he is uh in a way sort of like a simple-minded man where it's like more complex behavior and stuff I think really puzzles him and he doesn't know how to handle it so he just lets it happen see I don't know because I think that Sean knows what the right thing is to do but again he just gets he puts his own wants before what he thinks is right like that whole scene in the airport where or the airplane where he finds out that Emily stole his mom's ring or whatever like sean clearly says what's right like we need to tell her we found it we need to return it to her yeah yeah. and then he i mean essentially like wants to have sex with emily right wants to like chase her and then she still has the ring however many years later so we see that sean didn't do the right thing he knew what the right thing to do was but he didn't do it because he cared more about satisfying his own personal needs and like doing what's right or like thinking about Oh, you know what? My mom would pre- really like miss this ring, and I bet you she would love to have it. Like Sean, at in the at the end of the day, doesn't care about even his own mother's needs. He puts himself above his own mother, and I think that you see that mm. in a pattern of a, the relationships that he builds with everyone else in the sh- in the movie. That's true. Yeah, I think I think it really is hard, at least for me, to really yeah put any definitive answers on anyone's motivations, anyone's true characteristics, or whatever, because. Number one, either there's just poor writing. <laughs> Number two, you have no idea really when people are actually being honest or not. Mm-hmm. I don't like it's so hard to say. There's like only one obvious moment, I think, where Emily's words are not matching up with what we're seeing on the film. And that's when she says that she didn't kill her sister, Faith or Hope or whatever, when in reality she obviously did. Yeah, but and then she confesses to it later. But uh, that's interesting. That's something that, like, I mean, if you really like love this movie, like, you could probably debate that for a long time. Of like, when were they actually telling the truth? Like, what were their true motivations? I mean, I would say in the end, Stephanie's true motivation was to just be able to make or have enough money before her husband's, her late husband's insurance or uh, life insurance ran out. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's very, that's very possible because, like, what other motive would you have to live stream, like, you, oh, my friends like, missing. doing a sting, op- well, yeah, your friend being missing, oh, but and also, sting like, the sting yeah. operation, right? She live streams it. Like, you could definitely have done that a lot more 
sort of subtly, but she, I think, wants the byproduct of that fame and of that, like, attention. And I don't know if that's necessarily, like, a bad thing because she is, like, going after what she wants. Like, it's very debatable about, like, how ethical and stuff it is. But (laughs) I I would definitely agree with you that, like, her driving motivation isn't like, oh, I'm, like, such a good friend. I just want to, like you know, help my my friend who's missing, which I, I really like because at the beginning of it, when Emily goes missing, that is what Stephanie says. She is like, oh, I just like feel for her and I really miss her and I want her back. And then by the end of it, she's like live streaming her friend admitting that she murdered her sister and her, bro- and her dad. Like, yeah, Stephanie is really stepping into and taking what she wants. And it's yeah, yeah. kind of fun to see that. <laughs> Were you thrown off at all? Like, I, I should have brought this up when you mentioned it earlier, but when like she was doing the whole thing and then like Stephanie was doing the whole performance and then shot, um, Sean, like, were you like, I looked at that, that like wound or whatever. I was like, that's way too red. Like that's way too bright. You know, that doesn't look like there's a hole in his, in his shoulder. <laughs> like, were you thrown off by that shot when Stephanie shot him with the fake gun? Yeah, I think I was kind of like, I don't really think he's dead. Like, yeah, I yeah, need yeah. to see how this kind of plays out. But I agree. I mean, you can definitely yeah. tell, especially compared to like the real gunshot, right? Like, yeah. which obviously it's just a matter of like production, you know, it's not like he really yeah. got shot. But right. I think too, especially like when Stephanie has like an almost immediate change of heart and she's like i shot him what do we do oh my gosh like i feel like you can tell that stephanie is like overacting there and so you're like i don't think he's really dead but then you learn that that was sort of part of it like she was trying to put emily at ease that emily had like oh no we got caught when really she was still had a second plan yeah do you think that well because emily says it a couple of times and i i think in the film and then she also says it like when she's meeting sean in the diner like, oh, we came up with this plan together. Like, what are you talking about? Was she just, was there any truth to that, you think? Because I feel like she was just kind of planning doubt or whatever. Yeah, I think that she was just letting Sean know, like, I will take you down if you don't. If this if this goes wrong, you're going to go down with me. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to tell everyone that this was part of your plan. Which, again, then you see Sean knows that he should probably tell the cops that she's alive, but... Again, right. he acts in his own self-interest and pretends that he didn't know she was alive. Like, Sean is very much like a coward who's only out to serve his self-interests, in my opinion. And you kind of just see that over and over again with his relationships. Even the part when the police officer confronts him and he, the officer's like, oh, did you know your wife was alive? And he kind of meekly admits that he knew, um, that Sean knew that Emily was alive. Like, even then, he's only admitting it because he got caught. He's not doing it because it's the right thing to do. He's doing it because mm-hmm. he got caught. Yeah, that's funny. I, yeah, you're bringing up I, a lot of things that I wasn't really thinking about with Sean. Because by the end of the film, I was just like, oh, man, like, what poor poor guy. Like, <laughs> he just get dragged through. I mean, in a way, like, yeah, he's serving, like, selfish, you know, desires and all that stuff. Like, you know, selfish wants and needs just in a different way that's a little more passive and not as yeah. damaging to because like his I mean I guess like at the end like there's just kind of that text or whatever that you know tells what happened with everyone's lives by the end yeah and it seems like he ended up doing fine he's living a you know good decent life with his kid and uh, everything's fine Nikki right so I guess it's okay but in reality like going to jail and and being like oh 
like he's a, a wife abuser and right because his his whole his whole image is probably ruined in reality like i think that's mm-hmm. part well he published a book didn't he he published a book and that sold well enough i guess at the time or whatever but it's been 10 years right no Something no like, like his ending thing was like he published oh. a new book right like he made out pretty well i'm sure he made a lot of money did did he we don't know it just said that he yeah. published a book <laughs> maybe yeah. it didn't sell very well i have no it's idea. like a kid's book maybe it did say it sold well i have no idea i don't, I don't think it did say it sold well okay. but i mean i would assume that there's like some I mean, I'm sure that you make some money when you when you publish, especially when you have like a good right. hit before you. But yeah, yeah, I think that Sean just isn't as good at getting what he wants as Emily and <laughs> Stephanie. Like, gotcha. Because he's definitely trying to get what he wants, but he's always getting one upped by yeah, Emily yeah. and Stephanie, and so he's just not as good. And I think maybe he learns his lesson of like, you know what, I can't run with this crowd. I'm just gonna take my kid and go write a book somewhere and like not have to deal with this. But yeah. Yeah. Why do you think it was so personal for Stephanie? Like she really wants to just completely bury Emily in a way, like just Emily specifically. She wants to make sure that she doesn't get what she wants. Right. Because she probably just could have been like, Hey, like I have everything or whatever. Just give me, give me a million dollars and I'll have all the money that I need for a, a long time the vlog is still hitting like really well, all that stuff, like everything's going to be fine. But why do you think it was so like, no, I need to ruin Emily. I need to send her to jail. Um, That's a good question. I would think just based on like who Stephanie is that it becomes personal for her because she is getting used and she doesn't like mm. getting used. She wants to be the one making the shots. She wants to be the one like in charge and she doesn't mm. like being a pawn in Sean or Emily's game. And so gotcha. I think for Stephanie, she's like, you know what? If you're going to try to mess with me, I'm going to mess with you. And I'm going to do that by going after the one thing that you really want, which is to pretend like you really did die. Yeah. And that really shows like the difference between Emily and Stephanie. Stephanie really is a perfectionist. She will finish mm-hmm. the job perfectly. Right. Yeah. And like, again, that's what I like my favorite thing about this movie is Stephanie's like just character arc because she starts wanting to find Emily because she cares for Emily as a friend. And at the end of it, she wants to find Emily to bring her to justice. Right. And so I think it's cool that you see her motives change. You see her belief system sort of in a sense change. I just think it's really well done. The the character arc that she goes through. She didn't really have like a good enough reason to like want to bring her to justice though right like why why did that did i am i forgetting something because like as far as i can remember there there was nothing that really should have made her like want to hate emily except for the fact that emily would have threatened her potential success getting the house that she wants yeah and the kitchen that i she think wants. it becomes a competition for stephanie and she wants to win like <sighs> yeah okay like she's like you're gonna try to like mess with me i'm gonna mess with you back and then it becomes a game between them how though how is she gonna mess with her she's gonna expose that she faked her own death no stephanie how is emily gonna mess with stephanie yeah what was she gonna do oh i mean stephanie was moving in with sean and she like puts all the her stuff back into her closet she sends her that um envelope that oh yeah with her like family and stuff She, she very much is like trying to you know she gives her kid an envelope to then give to 
Stephanie, like Emily is very much trying to do like some psychological warfare on Mm. Stephanie. Right, right, right. And I think that Stephanie gets to a point where she's like, I am no longer the prey here. I'm going to be the predator. Is it not justified though? It's a little bit justified. Like, hey, you're moving on in on my family like so quick. Like, I'm going to mess with you. <laughs> oh, I totally agree that it's, like, pretty problematic. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, it's so weird. I don't know. Ever, I don't I don't think there's a single, like, really good person in this <laughs> in this film, which is funny because, like, I mean, like, it, I guess it just varies in degrees, I, I suppose. Because in reality, Stephanie didn't really do anything, like, terribly wrong. She didn't kill anyone. She didn't, right? I don't think so. She didn't kill anyone. Stephanie didn't kill anyone that we know of, not directly. Yeah, freaking, yeah. Well, yeah, it's true, not directly. What she did end up doing, though, was somehow being able to actually reach the heart of uh, Darren to where he cared about her enough to run over Mm, Emily. (laughs) I feel like Darren gets involved because he wants to be part of the attention. You think so? Yeah, because at the very end, the whole thing about him making brownies and... I feel like he's trying to get into Stephanie's orbit because Stephanie has an exciting life now. I don't think that. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. think that Garrett's also being selfish. <laughs> Garrett, wait, what? Darren? You mean? Or yeah, Darren. Sorry, Darren. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't think they ever really do. They ever actually outright say his name? I have no idea. I don't think so. But his, yeah, I don't know. His character was funny though. I actually enjoyed his character. I liked but, all yeah. the other parents. They're kind of just like. Yeah. entertaining commentary you know i i love that they're all being like just like <laughs> like they all they were all together in like darren's house or whatever smoking pot <laughs> like, it's for an eye condition or whatever he says yeah, yeah i have glaucoma how instinct like instinctive it was as well for him to just immediately drop to his knees <laughs> and like just like uh. well i also i also love that like that's why he thinks that he's getting like this huge SWAT team called on him is for like some weed. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's true. Twenty eighteen. I don't think I don't think you're gonna get the SWAT team yeah. called on. I don't think that's you'd like, get it really called on you ever. Yeah, probably. That's true. For yeah. pot. Yeah, yeah. Not a SWAT team, no. Not a SWAT team. But no. yeah, it's just it's just a kind of weird. But I just think that like yeah, I agree with you. Everyone in this movie is pretty selfish, and I think it's fun to see Stephanie becomes selfish at the end of it. Like, True. she kind of is like a saint, right? The whole time she's like, oh, I'm just here to help other people and, you know, be a good person. And then by the end of it, she's like, yeah, I'm going to try to, you know, do a sting operation on my friend and like not care that she gets hit by a car or whatever. Like, it's just kind of fun <laughs> to see. Obviously, all of these people in real life would suck to be around, but like on yeah. on TV, on the movie, it's just kind of fun to see people like, go after what they want to go for and it gets really messy (laughs) yeah what's funny about like my notes for this movie is like in a lot of films that we cover there's like actual like deep questions um a lot of the time like trying to figure out different characters and their motivations and i guess we've been doing that too but a lot of my notes is just like just questions of like wait does she like did the did the husband kill himself and the brother or whatever because he was just like felt like he was trapped in this perfect life and he didn't feel like there was really anything else going on. Like he was just caught up in the day to day doing it over and over and over again. And he just couldn't take it anymore. I don't know. And then obviously it kind of shows up later that, you know, um, there's deeper reasons why that is, but then it just kind of keeps going of like, wait, does Stephanie actually 
Like, does she like Emily or does she not? You know what I mean? Like, those yeah. are my notes. It's just like constantly questioning <laughs> people. I think that, I mean, and I might be totally reading into this, which, you know, it's whatever. But um, I think that there's a lot of commentary to be said about this movie in regards to how women are perceived in society. Because Emily and... Stephanie are like polar opposites when it comes to the types of moms that they are. And they talk about this in the movie where Emily says something about like being a working mom. And and then um, Stephanie's like, oh, don't do that. I'm a working mom, too. Like just because I don't get paid or whatever doesn't like it's really hard to be a stay at home mom. Like there's a lot of commentary between the two because they're just like drastically different in like the types of moms that they are. And I think that you can talk a lot about like the way society expects women to act. The fact that even though Emily and Stephanie are polar opposites in the type of women they are, both of them are criticized. Like Stephanie's criticized for being an overachiever who's like really annoying. And then Emily's criticized for being like too hardworking and she doesn't take care of her family enough. Like, I think there's a lot of commentary you could say about like the unfairness of how women are treated because no matter what you do, they, you can't win, right? You're going to, somebody's going to like criticize you for whatever choice you make. And so I really like that, that, that's sort of like the underlying commentary for me. Like one of the underlying commentaries is about like how women are treated in society. And even when like in Stephanie's case, you're living your life to please other people and like hit all of the expectations that society has for you, you're still going to be criticized. And so it's like, you might as well just like not care what society says you're supposed to do and just go after what you want. And so I I don't know, to me, there is like, you could talk a lot about things, sort of concepts like that but obviously like being a man i i haven't had that i haven't had that lived experience but i do feel like that's a strong theme throughout this of like even in like the the partnerships that they have like stephanie being treated or or sean very vocally telling stephanie that like she is essentially his caretaker like that to me is really problematic but that's also an experience that a lot of women have where they have to be the ones to carry the emotional burden of a relationship because the man doesn't have the capacity or willingness to like equally carry his weight in that sense interesting hmm i don't i don't want to like uh come off as like just like argumentative or whatever but it's interesting because like i feel like I okay. Let me let me back up just a little bit or whatever. Just going back to like who I am as a person and the struggles that I have every day because I deal with depression and anxiety and I overthink things and I'm just like constantly feeling like I'm overwhelmed with a lot of different feelings and emotions and I feel like yeah. a lot of times especially like I won't get into like a lot of, you know, back I won't, I won't get into like what's going on in my in my life or whatever. But like life is really hard sometimes and I feel like a lot of men get left by the wayside. And I think I think that's probably why I was sympathizing with Sean a little bit more and maybe not seeing some of the deeper like selfish wants that he was kind of putting out there. But it's interesting to me to 
and maybe I'm just like not exactly reading everything that you're saying the way that it's supposed to come off, or maybe I'm just not paying attention enough. Uh, I my mind wanders every once in a while when people talk, but I try to stay on board the whole time. But I feel like you're sympathizing with women just in general. No offense, and I'm not saying that like women shouldn't be empowered and all that stuff. I have two daughters of my own. I want them to live the lives their lives exactly to their specifications, and I think that life in general is just so hard that everyone should be able to live life to their specifications. But it seems like the idea of being a stay-at-home mom is just not feasible in your mind. Am I wrong in reading it that way from everything that you just said? Not being a stay-at-home mom is, it's not feasible? Sorry, being a stay-at-home mom is not a good thing to be. Oh, for me, no. I think, I mean, I agree with you. I think that women, anyone should be able to do what they want to do. Okay. What I, what I was saying in that, with that comment was that's addressed in the, in the movie where they have a conversation about how Stephanie feels like Emily is judging her for like not being a quote unquote working mom. Oh, okay. Okay. Gotcha. 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 Yeah. So what I'm saying is like, Emily is like kind of the stereotype of like a working mom and Stephanie is the stereotype of a stay-at-home mom, which are, you know, two very polar opposite sort of like life choices in that in that yes. you know section of choices. Yet both of them are criticized by society. Stephanie is criticized for being this like overachieving, overbearing like room mom, and Emily is criticized for being this like really callous mother who can't even remember to pick her kid up. So what I was saying is like women like it's I think it's called like being, it's like the double bind, I think is like the the like academic phrase where like women are given choices where it doesn't matter which one you choose. It doesn't matter if you choose to be a working mom or you choose to be a stay at home mom, like society mm. will criticize you for that no matter what. Okay. And so I was just saying that this movie, I think shows that like you have two women who are leading very different lives for different reasons. Yes. And society is criticizing them both ways. So it's like, for me, the commentary is like, just live the life that you want to live and society should let women and people in general live the lives that they want to live. Okay. I don't know if that clarified it or not. No, that makes sense. Okay. It just, I, maybe I was just interpreting as you like really picking a side of what you believed in best or whatever, but I, I must've just like missed just the fact that you're just pointing out other people's opinions. Yeah. 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 Okay. I think, I mean, people should be able to, you know, as long as you're not doing harm, people should be able yeah, to live yeah. the lives they want. But I think that this movie just points out that like society won't let like society will always find a way to like criticize you for the choice that you make, even when you feel like you're making all the right choices that society wants you to make. Okay. So do you think that Sean being codependent and kind of looking for that stay at home mom type or whatever, and that stay at home wife and whatever, you know, all that jazz, you see that as a fault in him? Yeah, I would say to an extent. I mean, there's like a whole conversation you can even ha- you can have about like how men and women are socialized to like interact with each other, you know? Yes. But I would say, yeah, the way that, in my opinion, the way that Sean speaks to Stephanie very much treats Stephanie as someone that can benefit him and not a partner he wants because she's an independent person but Mm. a partner he wants because she makes his life easier or she makes him a better person well i feel like there's a lot of people that i mean that's the whole point of finding a partner is to find someone that's going to support you right i mean it just depends on what they're supporting you in 
I guess. Yeah, I think that you definitely want a partner that's like supportive of you. But for me, just the way that Sean, like the way that Sean consistent, he, he, I mean, he says it a few times where he's like, Stephanie, you make me a better person. You saved me. Like he's putting Stephanie in this role where she's being defined by her relationship to him. Like he's not being like, oh, Stephanie, I love you because you're like, really like vivacious and you're so kind and mm. you really just like care about people and whatever it may be, all of his sort of compliments or the reasons why he likes Stephanie are in relation to how it, it benefits him. Mm, okay. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. Maybe it's more born out of like comparison between his, between Stephanie and his, his, his previous marriage, right? With Emily. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. That's a good point because like, yeah, he does bring up the fact that like, oh, I can sleep and now I sleep like a log. Right. And he and like, like this is really beneficial for me. And he doesn't ask her like, oh, are you sleeping well? How like it's all like he's centering himself mm. in the relationship. Like and that's understandable. Like sometimes you do have to center yourself when depending on what you're talking about. Yeah. But the way that it's presented here is Sean is consistently centering himself like his relationship with Stephanie. He only sees in terms of like how Stephanie is benefiting him. She's not a full, complete person to him. He's only seeing like, what can Stephanie do to benefit me? Mm. And again, I don't know if that's presented purposefully. I feel like it is because it's mentioned multiple times. And to me, that just indicates that Sean is looking for like a partner that will just like sort of be not like subservient to him, but a partner that like the moment it becomes inconvenient to have Stephanie in his life, he's going to drop her because he's like, well, this is like too stressful for me. Like I wanted you in my life because you made my life easier. Whatever, for whatever reason, you're making my life harder now. I don't want to be with you. And that's kind of what he does to Emily. Like he's chasing her, chasing her, chasing her. And then the moment she dies, he's talking about how horrible she was Mm. and how difficult she made his life. Yeah, sure. And like, He's just defining his partners in terms of like the benefit that they are to him. Yeah, he just dumps people whenever they're not really yeah. benefiting him anymore. Interesting. Yeah, uh, it's interesting because like maybe I was sympathizing with him a lot more as well because like I thought that there was a characteristic that was kind of presented and and shown at the beginning when Emily like when he spends the night over at Stephanie's house for the first time and they're trying to figure out where Emily is and all that jazz maybe it's like two days in or something like that and he got up with the kids he made smoothies or whatever and like got them ready for school and all that jazz and then stephanie takes them to school and i'm like oh okay so he's like he at least does stuff you know what i mean like he's yeah he's yeah. at least like a partner and but but that's but throughout the or through the rest of the film when they're doing stuff at his place then it's not so much him really doing anything anymore. Like, he's not picking up the kids. Well, he has the job, though. I don't know. Maybe his hours are just really wonky. I have no idea. But he's not making dinner. He's not really doing this and that. He'll be gone and then come home and then take a shower and all that stuff. I don't really know. Yeah, I mean, there are moments where he's, like, showing, you know, good sides or whatever. But, I mean, even the fact that his wife was missing for two days and, like... At that point in the movie, Stephanie isn't even with Sean, and she is has become the caretaker to Sean's child. Like, mm. why was it that Sean... That, to me, is a glimpse into Emily and Sean's life, where Sean, for whatever reason, is offloading all of the childcare onto Emily. Yeah. Because it took two days for Sean to even figure out that his kid was with some... 
I mean, stranger essentially to him at that point. Yeah. Like, a lot of it is really like the timeline is problematic. <laughs> like that's, yeah. that's the most problematic part of it is how quickly it, <laughs> it happens. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, I think that they just serve like the selfishness that we see in Emily and in Sean is a good foil to Stephanie's selflessness. And then when you see Stephanie descend into that selfishness, the plot gets a little absurd, but also kind of fun at that time, I think. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. But yeah. I agree with you. I mean, it's, it is really like no one in this movie is like really a good person, you know, like, yeah. like they're all doing some pretty messed up stuff. Is it implied that Sean is having an affair with one of his coworkers? It's kind of loosely implied. I don't know if it's just like Stephanie seeing. I mean, there's flirtation. Yeah. If it's Stephanie seeing what she thinks she's seeing, but yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I definitely feel like they paint Sean out to be kind of one of those like rich, washed up writers who like feels really entitled to things and isn't, his life isn't going the way he wants it to be going. And he sort of just like gives up and is like kind of phoning everything in. That's how Sean is painted to me. Obviously, that's like hmm. me being, bringing my own stuff to it. But yeah, I don't know. Just like the way that Sean never really seems to take Stephanie's concerns seriously. Like she literally tells him, like, Emily called me. She's still alive. And he's like, I have a psychiatrist friend. Like, Sean doesn't take mm. Stephanie's concerns seriously at all. True. It is a little absurd, though. Well, yeah. But I mean, if you're in a partnership with someone and you respect them, when they tell you something that is absurd, you, I would be like, okay, that's nuts. Like, what should we do about this? But immediately he just kind of wants to, like, drug her. <laughs> oh, yeah. Xanax, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, the moment she becomes inconvenient, he's not trying to, like, work through this inconvenience. He's just like, we're going to go the easiest solution, just drug you or whatever. And, that's true. like, you're crazy. I don't really want to, like, you know, whatever it may be. <laughs> I just don't really feel like Sean is willing to put in much work into that partnership. Good point. Yeah, that's true. But also being married to Emily you probably have to create some like survival tactics because she's very manipulative and like, yeah. So I could see, I mean, I can see kind of where Sean's coming from. He has to create a lot of like self-defense mechanisms, but it, it, it results in him treating Stephanie very poorly because Stephanie's really invested, right? She's like taking care of his kids. She's like making five course meals for them. She's doing a ton of stuff. And then he's like, the moment she complains, he's like, just take some Xanax. <laughs> it's weird how how uh, trusting Stephanie is as well. Like, she doesn't really know these people at all. And yet she's, like, telling the police, like, no, they would never do that. Like, have you seen those yeah. two? Like, there's so much chemistry or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, like, it's like, but you don't know. You have no idea. You've only met Sean, like, once or twice. And Emily hasn't really given you too much information about herself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why do you feel like she trusts them so much? So easily? I think it's just her personality. She's just really trusting of people in general. Like, like she just gives people the benefit of the doubt until obviously the movie progresses and then she decides that she's gonna, you know, yeah, not be so trusting. I don't know. I think too, it's like, I mean, she says this, she's like really lonely and Emily gives her attention and makes her feel special. And so I think that Stephanie, like, is really loyal to that because she's been so lonely and she doesn't want these friends that she has to like be bad guys or whatever, you know? It's like a different form of what Sean is doing, honestly. Like what you just described as Sean, like just kind of throwing all of these things away because it's going to be inconvenient for him and his life. Mm -hmm. It would be inconvenient for 
Stephanie to lose out on these friends that she thinks she has because she didn't have any friends before. And so she's like, I'm just going to write those off. <laughs> yeah, when people are lonely, they, in a sense, they do become pretty vulnerable, you know? Yeah. Luckily, you see Stephanie kind of get out of that and, like, take back some of that strength and stuff. But, yeah. And then she takes advantage of poor Faith and Hope's and Charity's mom trying to get as much information of her, out of her as possible. Yeah. Do you think, do you, do you think, is it the caretaker, Bruce? Whatever, I don't know his name, but I think his name. Yeah, I think I, it's Bruce. I don't, is he a caretaker? I don't remember what he is. I think so. He's like, he takes care of the house, yeah. Do you think he ever got the blazer? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they, I don't think they got the clothes. I um, could see Stephanie though going <laughs> through the extra effort to like, I'll just fill out this catalog for him real quick. Just real fast, yeah. I was going to ask you, what did you think about the music in this movie? I know you're big on music. Did you did you notice it or anything? Was it good? Yeah, I didn't really notice it too much, to be honest. Uh, the only thing that I really noticed was just like the random, like blaring, I don't even, what, French, mm-hmm. like 60s music? I don't even know what you, what you call it. <laughs> what decade it was? Yeah, I have no idea. Like that was, like when the opening credits comes on, I'm like, oh, I have no idea what this movie's gonna be like. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I mean I. Well, because I think you gave me, you or you gave me the instruction to like not watch any like trailers or anything. Just go into it completely blind. And so I was just going off of what I remembered the trailers being like um, when it was first coming out, which I didn't think the trailers were good at all. I remember being completely disinterested in watching that film because of the trailers. Yeah. <laughs> and. uh yeah, it totally caught me off guard when I when I heard the the music at the very beginning with that like, you know, 60s French whatever going on. And I was like, "Oh, like this is this is going to be more like a knives out type of movie where it's going to be really campy and like I thought this was supposed to be like a, you know, thriller drama mystery, I don't yeah. even know, you know. But I guess the exact opposite. Yeah, where it really ended up falling off the rails for me at the end. <laughs> Yeah, that's, I think, why it's kind of fun to go into this movie not really knowing what it's about because it doesn't really know what it wants to be. And so I think if you go into it being like, this is going to be a really fast paced thriller, you'll be disappointed. And if you're like, this is going to be a comedy, you'll be disappointed. But if you go in being mm-hmm. like, I have no expectations for this, then you don't really, it doesn't fail to meet those expectations because you didn't have any expectations. Because I mean, I agree with you. This movie doesn't really know what it wants to be. Yeah. It's kind of all over the place, but. Like I said, I just really like it for, I think Stephanie's character is really interesting. Like, I mean, we've, the majority of our podcast episode has been about Stephanie's character yeah, because there's a lot of depth there, I think. Oh yeah, for sure. Like, yeah. Walking away from this movie was, I was definitely more fixated on Stephanie than anyone mm-hmm. else. It's like, what were her motivations the whole time? Did she actually have a growth arc or, or not? Was this all planted from the beginning? I have no idea. Yeah. What does she do from here? Is she just as manipulative? Is she just as... Like the same manipulative person, like from the end of the film to the rest of her life, like I don't, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, does she play a game from now on, or no? Like, I don't know. Or does she just finally get what she wanted? She got her vlog, and she's gonna make tons of money now, and everything's. Gonna I would be fine. watch that vlog though, a recipe blog that also solves. Like, that's a great cozy series. <laughs> like, a mommy vlogger who also yeah. solves crimes, like that right there. Sign me up. That is a ridiculous idea. <laughs> but that's funny. It would sell so well though. Yeah, it's true. Did you have another point that you wanted to bring up? Well, I was going to say one thing I really liked, and I don't know if you noticed this, was there was a lot of really subtle details that hinted at the fact that Emily was a triplet. Did you notice that? The charity tattoo and... 
Or oh, um, actually, that didn't really give away too much information. Go, go for it. Yeah. So um, there is a piece of photography in Emily's house that is three eggs. Two of them are white and one of them is brown. Oh, interesting. So kind of symbolizing like, you know, yeah, there's yeah, three yeah. of us. One of them is different. Oh. There was another thing where the tombstone for Emily, there's three circles on it. There is two kind of smaller ones and then a third one that's different. Mm. There's another. Uh, there was one more. I'm trying to find it now. Oh, and then the camp T-shirt where they used to spend their summers. There's yeah. three like figure people on it um two of them are yellow and one of them is blue i think oh interesting okay. yeah so there's a lot of like subtle details in like the background of like that hints at their you know their triplets and one of them died or one of them is different i yeah. thought that that was i didn't notice that the first time i watched it so i thought that that was kind of interesting yeah i well because she refers to the tattoo though like as like oh this is a charity tattoo or whatever. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard that term before? Is that a term? I it's a symbol. That's like a cross, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Um. I didn't. Okay. I don't. I mean, I don't. I didn't know of it though. Yeah, I I had never learned of that either, and I just that that was weird to me. Like when he when she said that, I'm like, what does that even mean? Like what charity? Like what are you talking about? <laughs> like I I don't know. Yeah, it's a really ugly s- tattoo too. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. It's not good. But very convenient to have matching tattoos with your twin when you're trying to blame. Or, <laughs> yeah, that's another trope I'm not a big fan of. Yeah. Plus, I'm pretty sure they're like their moles or whatever were on different sides. They were. Yeah. <laughs> so that wouldn't have held up, I don't think, either. If if her husband actually ID'd her. Well, there were no pictures. Her husband ID'd her, though. Yeah, but I mean, I don't think she wouldn't have noticed. He wouldn't have noticed that the mole was on the wrong side. <laughs> I don't know. I could see Sean being so inattentive that he wouldn't really care. Yeah, maybe. That's Plus, true. he gets a huge money lump, some payment out of yeah, it. Yeah, also, right. what would you think? Like, oh, this is my this is my wife's twin sister. She never like. <laughs> yeah, true, true, true. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's they. I think they were on the different sides, though. Do you have any more notes that you wanted to bring up? I don't really have anything else. I was just going to ask you if you had any like good scenes that you really enjoyed or anything like that. Good scenes. I think that I feel like there's like maybe scenes that could have been better. Like that's actually kind of what I walked away. Like the whole scene where she's killing her own sister in the in the lake. I'm pretty sure there was probably music and she was talking in, in the background, which is cool because like she's obviously lying as the scene's going on but i feel like that yeah i really like that yeah that that's cool i think i would have preferred it with just zero music totally being just completely like you know what i mean like just really disturbing in a way like i don't well no i don't want to give it away but there's another movie like shutter (laughs) island i don't know if you've seen shutter island i've seen shutter island yeah okay there's there's a scene in there that's pretty disturbing as well that i i don't think there's any music and it's just really disturbing that way anyway yeah i didn't really walk away from this movie thinking that there were some really standout scenes i know i really hated the car running her over thing i absolutely hate it's it's so dumb it is the worst (laughs) shot that anyone could ever use in any movie even comedies even if it's meant to be ridiculous it's still my least favorite shot that anyone could ever... Well, that and, like, choppy slow motion. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. When it, yeah. Though either one of those is, like, absolutely terrible. And I can't I can't stand for That's it. That's so funny that you hate it so much. I really... Like, once, once it happened... Like, once she started backing into the street, I'm like, are you kidding? Like, I already knew in my head, like, this was going to happen, and I was already <laughs> disappointed. And then it happened, I'm like, ugh... You're like, oh, this is this movie blows. Like you just <laughs> Well, you just you know it. I like 
your brain is trained now. Yeah. Because it happens so often in TV shows and movies that once someone backs into a road, it's over. You know what I mean? Like they're gonna get run over. Yeah. No, that's that's true. That's true. But it's but specifically the far away wide shot. Mm-hmm. I just it's so comedic. It's ridiculous. There's like a certain shot too when someone's like driving in a car on a TV show or movie. Like the way that they have the camera, you're like, this person's about to get blindsided by a car. Yeah, exactly. Like it's like even like the framing of it, the composition of the frame is like so stereotypical, so tropey. So I I get what you're saying. If the yeah, if the head is taking like the the left third of the screen and you can mostly see the window, they're about to get run into yeah which happens yeah, in, in whiplash but yeah that's true true yeah yeah, yeah. spoilers but spoilers. Any, <laughs> anyway yeah i don't know i just i will forever hate that shot I, I will not stand for it if i ever made if we ever made movies together i would never we would never this would never happen there you go <laughs> Yeah, I, I we didn't really talk about Emily that much, but I really like the way Blake Lively delivers a lot of her lines. I feel like yeah, she embraces too. this character really well. And what I thought was really interesting was Blake Lively, she I mean, Emily acts one way with like Stephanie and Sean and other people, and then when she's with her sister, she's completely opposite. She's like really timid. Mm-hmm. She's kind of like afraid of her sister. I thought that that was a really nice detail mm-hmm. where you see kind of like how their relationship influences how Emily acts and stuff. I thought it was interesting too that like uh, Faith threatens to take her sister down, um, just like Emily threatened to take Sean down. I thought that that was kind of like a poetic justice. You know, Faith is oh. like, I'm gonna go tell people that we did this, and you're gonna come. Like, yeah. you're gonna get taken down too. And then Emily pretty much does the same thing with Sean. That felt very um, ironic in a sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then just some like funny scenes. I mean, this is really it is a comedy at its core, kind of. Not at its core, but it's definitely a comedy. I loved the scene when Stephanie walks into the fashion company and <laughs> the receptionist is just like sitting there typing and like or answering calls or whatever, like, hello, this is yeah. David Nylon or whatever. <laughs> like yeah. that whole interaction lasts so long and she yeah. just keeps answering to the phone <laughs> yeah, 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 that it's like so absurd. But I just, I find that kind of stuff kind of entertaining. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen, I think it's sorry to bother you, but there's a scene kind of similar where one of the characters is like accessing um, a, a key panel and she has to put a code in and like it keeps cutting between her putting the code in and then this guy like waiting for her to open the door or whatever. Oh, and yeah. it's like, it's like 50 seconds of her just like pushing a bunch of buttons <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> where it's like, it takes so long, you know, it just, yeah. <laughs> it's just so funny to me. Yeah. It's such like a dumb piece of humor, but I just find that so entertaining. Yeah. And then I thought it was kind of funny. The whole, like it was, it's kind of silly, but the whole like breadcrumb reference and then it cuts to like her making the Caesar salad with the breadcrumbs. Yeah. I thought that, that was kind of like a clever thing. Yeah. But I also like the part where Stephanie, she's stealing that picture from the company and she gets confronted by the security guard and she, for the first time, kind of calls out and is like, if you don't get your hands off me, I'm going to call security, blah, 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 you know, and report yeah. them for the, I think she says like the Indonesian, your cheap blazers made by Indonesian children. And the guy's like, they're not, first, they're not Indonesian children. They're Vietnamese teenagers. Yeah, 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 <laughs> like, yeah. I love that that is what he's concerned about is like, oh, they're, you know, this is the quality of the, of the clothes. So I was, I was going to bring that, 
I was going to bring that up if you didn't. That that yeah, that that interaction actually made me laugh. That was a pretty good one. Yeah. But it's also interesting with that little interaction because that that's a big part of the movie is like everyone's constantly putting on that like everything's they've got everything together except for those three parents that are actually like real. Like they definitely don't have it together and that's mm-hmm. a real representation of parenthood, I think. But everyone else is like just trying so hard to make it look like everything's perfect and especially whatever his face is the dennis nylon De- right? dennis nylon yeah 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 he like clearly doesn't have it all together because like he has it he has it together in front of stephanie and then when she's going to like sneak into the office he's like yelling at everyone in the in the other like conference room just like where is she like we gotta figure this out <laughs> yeah <laughs> right? he's like just so unhinged yeah, yeah. But that's like most of the people in this film and like just not everything is what like everyone's freaking out. And uh, that's true. He is unhinged over the phone, too, because Emily's like telling him to let her do her job. Yeah. Remember? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just go to bed, take his annex or whatever. and Just go. Everyone never call me again or whatever. Yeah, yeah, don't call me again. Yeah. yeah. I, I do like I do like Emily's. I like the way that she talks. Maybe not the personality. You know what I mean? Because like, yeah, I wouldn't want to be friends with her. her. She delivers her lines really well. But yeah, yeah, exactly. Like her, her, the, yeah, the way she talks is more relatable to me as a parent. Like I don't really relate to Stephanie too much as a parent because she'd be making me feel bad all the time. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but when Emily walks up when we first meet her and she's like, "Hey, what's up, little dude?" Like that's how I talk to my kids. You know, what I mean? like I, yeah. I like that better than smooch and uh, mm-hmm. or whatever <laughs> smooches. Yeah, it's cute and everything, but like I just don't relate to the cute. <laughs> yeah, parent, I guess I'm more of the dude. What's up, little? You're man? more of the like yeah. throw a wrench in the air and hit me in the face so that I can confuse or accuse my husband of abusing me or whatever. Which I, I love, love that. And that's, yeah, <laughs> I love that she puts pearls on too. Like that was such a nice touch too. Like what was the point of that? Well, like the she puts the pearls on and then she throws the wrench to be like, oh, Sean beat me and he's the one that like had this whole plan. You know? Yeah. I just like that she put the pearls on because like. That's definitely like a symbolism of like the housewife, you know, like the innocent housewife of, oh, you know, she was wearing her pearls like in the 50s or whatever. So I really like that she chose pearls because, again, I think that this movie has a lot of commentary about like a lot of like women type stuff. Mm -hmm. And I thought that it was interesting that she chose pearls to sort of symbolize her innocence as a, you know, housewife or whatever. I I also like the part when Stephanie goes into the house to like the burn down house, you know, to interrogate Emily's mom. And she's like actually cleaning. Like that to me was so on brand for for Stephanie. Yeah. And then she looks at like the picture of Jesus or whatever. Just like, I'm not lying if I'm doing it. It's not lying if I'm actually cleaning. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of going back to what you were saying of Stephanie being a perfectionist. Like I could definitely see her actually being like, I need to clean his bathroom though. It's really dirty. It made me think of the justification that she had in her mind when she was just taking advantage of her terrible memory though. And it's like, oh mm-hmm. yeah, I'm actually a designer yeah. or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Oh, also kind of, um, I thought this was interesting when Sean gets arrested for the crime that he supposedly committed um the news like so quickly labels him as an abusive failed novelist <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, yeah like yeah. it's so mean that's what like, i'm saying that's i think that it was at that point that i was just like oh poor <laughs> yeah yeah i just yeah. thought that was like that's like that's so uncalled for <laughs> like yeah, that's you can just be like this abusive partner you're like an abusive failed, failed novelist <laughs> and i know that it's like so silly but i thought it was kind of like just a very fun 
kind of twist on her mommy vlog when she's like uh, a nose for sniffing out the freshest basil and unsolved mysteries like i like that it's too. That so corny too. but it's so fun to me i just i just think it's so fun yeah i mean it, it it's on par for like being a personality on on a vlog or whatever it was it was a good line yeah for sure but yeah i don't have anything else to add fun little movie you know yeah it's worth a watch i think at least once and go into it not really knowing what you're gonna expect but don't expect much. Well, now you know exactly what to expect if you still haven't watched the film and you listen to this whole episode. So, <laughs> All the Twisted Turds have been given away. So that is a simple favor then. Austin's favorite movie. It's not. It's, it, for me, it's not like... Number a, one, beats out Godfather. No. <laughs> no. It's not a perfect 7 out of 10 like I would say Ready or Not is, but... It's worth a watch. I will say. It's worth a watch. If you go into it, I think like like oh, like this would make a good Netflix series or whatever, just like this B tier kind of like Netflix series, fun yeah. mystery, twists and turns, blah blah blah. Get some popcorn, get some snacks. It's worth watching, right? Yeah, for sure. But a rewatch, mm, I don't know. We'll see if that ever happens. We'll see. Yeah. Would you watch it again now that you've watched it a second time? Mm, I I might down the road. I don't know. If it's on. I didn't like, like I said, I didn't like it as much as I did the first few times I've watched it, but who knows? If I'm in the mood. Maybe it was those twists and turns that got you the first time. Yeah, maybe. What are we watching next month? Oh boy, do I have a movie for you. I would hope so. <laughs> uh, hold on, let me figure it out first. No, I'm just kidding. We're going to be watching <laughs> Ex Machina yes i'm so excited that was literally on my list of things to watch yeah oh was it on your list i had it on my list yeah it's on my list oh cool i think i may have i may have added it a few weeks ago because i saw um that it it was recently added to hbo max i think yes yep and so i was like oh i've heard really good things about this and so i added it to my list so you haven't seen it i haven't i watched it once but that was at a point in my life where I was like, oh, I shouldn't be watching Rated R films. So I did like the VidAngel thing. And you lose like 50% of the context. Ex- exactly. Like I had, like it skipped around so much. So yeah. I'm, I'm, we're going to, I mean, after, after watching The Shining, I can watch anything. So, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah, Ex Machina. I'm really excited to watch it with the full context. I think it, I think it's a movie that presents like so much like in-depth analysis and like questions. I'm really, really excited. Uh, it's going to be great. It's uh, directed by Alex Garland, rated R. Again, check out the parental guide uh, to figure out what you're willing to, to sit through or not. Um, and just like Big T said, it is on HBO Max. So cool. you can watch. If you already have HBO Max, you can stream it over there. Um, I will be buying that, though. I think this is definitely a movie worth buying. So... I'm going to do that. Anyway, thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate you. We actually got like a slight bump in download, so pretty exciting. We'll see how that continues to grow in season two of Layers of Film. Dope. Um, Also, check us out on TikTok. I'm going to try to be better about putting clips up on TikTok. And also Instagram and Twitter at Layers of Film Pod. You can write into layersoffilmpod at gmail.com with any questions or comments that you have on the movies that we are covering that month. I guess, yeah, that's true. I should mention that the, um, when is this going to go up? October? Yeah. Yeah. So November is when the Ex Machina episode is going to go up. And that'll be on the 7th of November. That is the first Monday 
of that month. Nice. I have like a buffer to be able to edit. Uh, <laughs> I always look forward to that one. It's like, oh, sweet. Like the first Monday is way far away. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. So cool. yeah, look out for that on the 7th. And oh yeah, leave a leave a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify if you can. We actually, we do have like one rating that I notice on Apple Podcasts. I've it might probably... be mine. Cool. Okay. Well, great. I gave us a four star. Uh, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. Did we just like kidding. make a big stink about that last episode? I'm yes. pretty sure we did. As Stephanie would say, don't forget to like and subscribe. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And uh, yeah, again, we appreciate you. Thanks so much for listening. And we will catch you next month. See you later. Bye. Bye.